Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Welcome to the Nerd Party. They can travel anywhere in time and space. Up we go into time and space. So all of time and all of space sitting out there. Welcome to Time and Space, one married couple's adventure through the Doctor Who universe. I'm Jessica Nunn. And I'm her always animated companion, Philip Gilfus. <laughs> right, what well, shall we start with? We actually had some fan art for Time and Space, and that was very fun to wake up to on Twitter. Yes, that was incredibly exciting and a little bit, for me, disconcerting. As someone who's completely new to this podcast world, yeah, it was really interesting to see someone I didn't know at all making art for a show that we send out into the world. <laughs> art upon art. So we want to send thanks to Damien Haywood for that great work of art. Thank I, you, Damien. Yeah, you can find him at Damien, J-H, on Twitter, and you can see that art for yourself or uh, I certainly retweeted it and the nerd party Twitter retweeted it as well so it's pretty pretty awesome and and uh thanks again yes right so for today's episode we took advantage of our recent trip to England to get a new bit of Doctor Who that will not be in available in the United States at least for a few more months. So we are reviewing the newly restored version of the aborted 1979 Fourth Doctor story, Shada. Thanks to our Region 2 copy, we watched the Douglas Adams written story that was abandoned due to a strike, a change in showrunner, and other issues. Yes, this was actually on my sort of bucket list, I don't know if it was the right word, but this was on my list when we went to England. No, I didn't think we were going to die. Though I did hear Black Plague was something to worry about. Uh, I think it has been in the past. Okay. Well, you can never be too too careful. But was to find Shada, because when I before I left, I, I think I've said this before on the show, before I left uh, the States, I was looking up Shada, because you know, it's, it's just come out on disc, and I saw not available in the US, or at least on Amazon US, for like till the fall of 2018 i'm like i wonder so i look up uk amazon they're like hey come and get it so i thought you know what let's say let's save some money on shipping darling because i look out for our pocketbook and i just bought it in england (laughs) instead yes and you had a little bit of concern about it uh you were not sure it was going to work when we brought it back to the uh, great united states of america Yes, so when we used my laptop and switched regions, I only get a certain number of switches, and so I'm just never going to watch anything American on this laptop again. I think that's perfectly reasonable. It is an issue that I ran into frequently when I was living in the UK, because I would watch, I would go back and forth between American and the UK regions with my 
DVD player, so I had a little bit of experience and was pretty sure it was going to work for us. Well, this is now our designated UK laptop. You can be the American laptop in our relationship. Considering I bought my laptop in the UK, I think we might have made a different choice. We made a lot of choices, darling. Um, I actually did get the (laughs) autographed uh, Shada copy because, of course, it was also the most obvious one on display. Yes. And who's autographed it? Um, I can't tell. Right. It's it's, Well, that's because they're autographs, darling. Um, Well, it's actually some of the voices um, in Shada. Uh, some of the the person who does the ship's computer or the bad ship's computer. Right. right? Okay. And uh, some other folks. So Shirley (laughs) Dixon... James Crooms, um, and there's two others listed that are a little bit more difficult to read, but I thought that was cool. Excellent. Yes. Yeah, it's kind of nice. <clears throat> so um, you talked a little bit about the background, darling, of Shada. Um, I remember watching this when I sort of was doing my classic rewatch, and there's a lot of lost episodes that are difficult to watch, and you've, you've seen me watch some of them where it's sort of like, and now we're just going to watch still photos and describe what's happening. So, But with Shada... As you can imagine from what we saw with the animated version, live version that we're going to talk about today, just seeing the live version, they would just then have Tom Baker be like, and then this is what happened. He went over here, they walked over there, and live action again. So stage directions, yes. basically. Yeah, so it was it was not great. Thank you for not making me watch that. No, no. And so... I'm doing a little bit of research. Now, this story is just a story that won't die. Now, of course, written by the great Douglas Adams, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, of course, very famous. Dirk Gently, not as famous, perhaps, but I still enjoy it. And also a current series on BBC America that I enjoy very much. But it was, you know, you have this restored, badly kind of half-restored version of maybe about 10 or 15 years ago. Like I said, this sort of the, known as the VHS restoration. And then there's apparently a big finished audio story with the eighth doctor called Shada that they tried to, or that they did. So it's an, it's an audio version as well. But this is sort of now the the 2017 official restored version, I guess. I don't know if it was as it was meant to be because I, it was never finished. So. Right. And I'm curious as to why this is a story that wouldn't die. I appreciate that it was written by Douglas Adams, but it's not the only episode of Doctor Who by any stretch of the imagination that was written by Douglas Adams. So it's not, hey, the guy who wrote Hitchhikers wrote an episode, we've got to keep it alive. What is it about this, do you think, that continues to live on Frankenstein-esque. That had to be made, that, you know, those great works of art. Again and again and again, yeah. (laughs) That wouldn't die until it was finally made. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, and I don't know, I'm sure there is, you can think of maybe examples of, you know, something that was started by the original artist and never finished, and other people tried to make it come to fruition. I know there's sort of various, nothing's coming quickly to mind, but I I can think of various stories where... uh, Oh, it was a short story that a great author never did. And people were like, well, we can come back and make it something. But anyway, you know, it's a fourth Doctor story. And that's mm-hmm. always, I think, attractive. Uh, Why? Because the fourth Doctor is sort of the, the, the Doctor that everyone thinks of. You know, the scarf wearing, big hair. And so right. there's the okay. power of the fourth Doctor story. And Douglas Adams. And I think that that's... Maybe what came together, maybe for classic folks, of course, is more of a, a classic Who draw. But um, I think the, the fans of Doctor Who or who have that sort of 1970s, 80s, that was sort of like, yeah, let's see what this can do. Yeah. And of course, we're going to talk about maybe where it went or where it didn't maybe need to go. But 
I, I think even reading some reviews in Doctor Who magazine and other places, and even in the, the production notes that came with the disc, you know, how this restoration is done may not necessarily have been how it was done originally. You know, if they had, if there wasn't a strike. Right. Um, because I think there is sort of a confluence of events because there was this strike over with various workers in television and, and in and around television that prevented the story from happening. But of course, it's also the same time that they were changing. They didn't call them showrunners back then, but, you know, the producers of the show. And so, you know, John Nathan Turner, who was taking over the show, didn't want to do it because it wasn't his story. And so, or wasn't a direction that he wanted Doctor Who to go in. Right, yeah. He wa- he had a different idea for what he wanted to see in Doctor Who. So, I also think it's interesting in terms of the regeneration, if you will, of this particular episode. Because, of course, scenes from this were used in the Five Doctors film. Right. As well. And so, this genuinely is the episode or episodes i think it was initially supposed to be a six story uh six episode arc that will not die so i suspect we'll see it again it is funny that the footage was used for the fifth doctors because it's like oh it's gone you know sort of like this uh the the wrecked titanic right we can take the treasure right so we're gonna raise the titanic again (laughs) but you think that certain scenes were looted exactly okay all right i can go with that but, um, yeah, so, again, this was sort of, Douglas Adams was the script editor of that season, and this was actually his last hurrah on Doctor Who, so that may have been another bit to add to the legend, mm. that this is his last bit of Doctor Who-dom, um, because he, this is when he had just started to get acclaim with Hitchhikers and was going to move on now to that yes. other part of his yeah. career. And then you had Graham Williams, who was ending his turn on Doctor Who, who I guess still wanted to go out with a bang, because I guess this was sort of a... The 1979 going into the 1980s, sort of a chance to do something big and hurrah and Doctor Who. And then it's sort of just, you know, this is sort of before maybe Christmas specials were that common. And this might have been that big. Although they did talk about turning it into a Christmas special of some sorts. And then that never bore fruit either. So, uh, and maybe that's it. Maybe the idea of, you know, there have been so many times when people have wanted to bring it back. So then it becomes this albatross around Doctor Who's neck, you know, of the show that you just can't make happen. And so everybody has to give it a go. It's sort of like Terry Gilliam's like Man of La Mancha or, or other things that he sort of, these projects he keeps trying to make and make and make and can never get it made, you know, I, I, or at least for those who understand that reference. Um, <laughs> just a movie he's been trying to make for like probably his whole life. And it keeps failing for one reason or another. But enough about the production, even though I think there's a lot of good stories yeah. there. Let's talk yeah. about the actual story itself, Shada. And I think for purposes of discussion, we're going to create some artificial separations because it is presented as a full feature-length story. There's no stereotypical, you know, serial, like... Oh no, he's in danger. Cliffhanger, yeah. yeah. Which yeah. I think actually may have helped, honestly. Yeah, yeah, I kind of agree that it seems to flow nicely into this full two-hour production. But so we're gonna go for part one is where we're gonna call it basically gonna call that Cambridge, and part two is gonna be called Tardisai in Space. So And I think we should definitely make Tardisai a thing exactly exactly i think that needs to go into the dictionary next year right 
So we sort of have part one where we're introduced, of course, to the fourth Doctor and Romana, too, as I like to call her, but we'll call her Romana from now on, hanging around Cambridge, and then we sort of get the mysterious Skagra and his think take, because he, he sort of just starts off the whole show without, and then goes into the titles, we're like, what's going on yeah, here? Yeah, sort of waking up, being the only person in this circle who has woken up and then there's the sphere and yeah and then we have the absent-minded professor cronotus who i absolutely love Mm -hmm. um would you like tea one lump or two what about sugar (laughs) just love it and then we have young chris parsons and uh claire kitely okay though she prefers claire yeah don't call her don't call her kitely no but anyway, and those are sort of the other characters we get introduced to. Well, what did you sort of think of, hey, we could be on location in Cambridge, which seems to be really the emphasis of the first part. It does. I mean, they are literally punting down the River Cam, um, which is very strange. Strange isn't necessarily the right word, but there does seem to be this emphasis on the punting. Um, I enjoyed it as someone who has previously punted on the cam but um yeah and then the moment i and i haven't had this moment very often particularly when watching older who um of hey i remember this from the film you know (laughs) yes i think it was douglas adams of course talking about his time enjoying life in cambridge so yeah but, it, you know, it does give that nice, interesting feel. Again, on, on location, we're not in a quarry in Wales for any of this. Right. And so, which I think is, you know, it's a nice change. It does brighten things up. I think it's very interesting to learn more about the professor because, I mean, surprise, surprise, or spoilers alert, he turns out to be a Time Lord. Yes. And, and that's not a huge spoiler alert. I mean, we know that fairly early on, don't we? And I'll admit the more we got through part one and part two, but I'm just sticking to part one, it does seem really like a Douglas Adams story. But I think Douglas Adams marries very well with Doctor Who, and I think that's the whole point of him, of course. But, you know, for those who do know the Hitchhiker series, you'll find the humor, the tone very much in Shada with the the, the circular talking and the wordplay and the... You know, characters and humor and bizarring, and, and I think the professor varies much. Douglas Adams' character, yes, absolutely. I also found echoes of Terry Pratchett, and I'm not a hundred percent sure why, um, but there was a lot about this that reminded me of Terry Pratchett. So, uh, British writers of the same sort of era. Well, I thought it was interesting that, especially comparing to New Who. That just time lords are everywhere in this time period. We're not the lone survivor. Yeah. It's like because we have Romana as a time lord, and the doctor's a time lord, and professor's a time lord, and people know about time lords. And... Yeah, that was, I have found that, and there are Tardis eye everywhere. Yeah, that that's a completely different, and maybe at one point during this podcast, not this particular one, but as we go through the, the season where we can talk about when that stops being a thing. Right, and whether that helps or hurts. Yeah. Because I think there's a lot of things I'm looking forward to us talking about, especially the Trial of the Time Lords, whether I'm talking about the Second Doctor or the uh, Sixth Doctor of, you know, of the Time Lords, you know, putting the Doctor on trial and, and how that turns out. 
But anyway, that's, that's part of the course here. But I, I think it is interesting to, to sort of have that still part of the mythos at this point in Doctor Who. Yes. Yes. I like the fact that we get a TARDIS within a TARDIS. I find that to be a very interesting thing. And the professor is, is totally cool with it. You know, somebody comes in and points out the fact that he has a TARDIS in the corner of his his offices. And he's like, oh, yes, someone must have left it. <laughs> you know, um, and also his offices to me, particularly with the TARDIS in the corner, reminded me a little bit of Peter Capaldi's offices oh, in the right. third uh, season of his run. Yeah, when he was teaching. Yes, and had the TARDIS. Hanging out in his office, yeah. What did you think of the mysterious Skagra and his, what do we call it, sphere of memory death? Because that's about most of the first part is the sphere bouncing around. Yeah, it it felt very old school who. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, nothing like a good sphere bicycle chase. Right, Absolutely. I think that is quintessential Doctor Who. But yeah, for me, it felt a little bit cardboard villain old Who. I I think it was a rubber ball. Okay. Shut up. Um, (laughs) But that wasn't nearly, I didn't find that nearly as riveting as the professor scenes. Or the mysterious book that's not a book. Or the mysterious book, yeah, where they, you know, when the um, when Chris Parsons takes it home and he's going through it and the clock behind him goes backwards and then forwards and, you know, things like that. I, yeah, I found that stuff much more interesting. That felt more like the Doctor Who that I watch mm-hmm. as opposed to the old school villains. And then we had Skagra's cloaked ship in i don't know what you call the park but in the park near cambridge i don't know if there's a specific name i'm sure but anyway it though it did remind me because the way it's shot of course um both in live and animation is that uh you go up to the you go up a ramp and then you're invisible it was reminded me very uh star trek four voyage home in san francisco or i guess in in the, in the park there uh and and just you know remember where we parked and cloak ships and yeah it did me too and and that makes me very sad um that you have, now have nerd references i now have nerd references i don't know how i feel about that but yeah that's pretty much just more chasing balls and books and that's that's more or less what takes up a good half of the shot up. yeah yeah definitely the first hour or so before it I mean, it's also very deliberate of, like, the characters keep asking Skagra, like, what's your name? And what do you do? He's like, that's ah, not, you don't need to know. I'm like, at some point, I feel like we should know your name. Yeah, and he also <laughs> keeps saying, you know, people keep saying, what is your plan? And you think that this is going to be the big villain reveal that inevitably happens, where the villain pours out his entire plan, and that's the the, the death of the plan, ultimately, because then they can figure out a way to thwart it, and he never he never tells them. And then we do get a sort of a very, you know, uh, stereotypical Doctor Who situation of, of the Doctor on the bad guy, uh, Skagra ship. And Chris, his now, I guess, you know, new welcomed companion, for lack of a better term, get, gets captured as well as Romana's captured, of course. And now K-9, we did not mention him. He, of course, is a large part of this. Yes, as yeah. The, this era 
one described uh, I saw it described as you have to have the fourth doctor Romana too but Romana Romana and K9 that's that those are the stories you're going to see so. yes yeah and I'm okay with that I'm a big fan of K9 right um and so that was sort of part 1 that we are determining that that's pretty much it it's just a lot of we don't know what's going on a lot of people getting chased around mysterious books the professor gets killed yes in part 1 or yes less. and that's very sad and then that that's that's part one, and then I feel like then you have the ch- but you don't really, but you don't no. no. So so part two is with then when everything happens. Yes, it, it sort of feels like part one is all of the backstory coming together, and so you've got all the separate everybody's in separate places and separate things are happening, and they're all sort of leading to this moment where they come together. And then we and, get lots more set changes. And lots more set changes and animation and things like that, yeah. But, again, not to, to crawl through the whole story, but, but it is interesting. Again, a little more of a chase, more chasing, because the professor apparently is not dead due through timey-wimey. Definitely, definitely timey-wimey. But then you have it revealed that his office is the TARDIS, as you said before, with the yep. TARDIS inside the TARDIS. And TARDIS squared, or eighth. I don't know. I'm not sure how time squared. Well, it, I, it's all very timey-wimey, so you're not expected to understand it, darling. You're, you're a little human brain. I know. Just because we're from Earth, darling, doesn't mean people have to patronize us. It's a <laughs> yes. great line from this, from Shada. But, it, it, you know, long story short, the Skagra and Ro- steals Roman and the TARDIS, and so then... They have to, the professor and Claire have to use the professor's TARDIS to track the other TARDIS. And, and in his TARDIS. While Doctor Who has stolen. The bad guy's ship. The bad guy's ship and has had to pretend to be dead to override the ship's commands. Yes. It's, well, those, again, I, 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 I hearken back to like Marvin the robot on uh, Hitchhiker's Guide. It's just very, or even arguing with the computer, you know, the whole 42 business and everything. It's, it is, again, very Douglas Adams of yes. outlogicking a computer. Yeah. Which I thoroughly enjoyed and thought the computer sounded like Judy Dench. So that was exciting, too. It wasn't, but it sounded like her, and I was going with it. And more or less, it all culminates into us arriving in Shada because Skagra is searching for the this great Time Lord villain uh, who's prisoner. And he goes to the Great Shada, which is the Time Lord prison that everyone's forgotten about. So they go looking for Sally Avon, this great Time Lord, powerful prisoner, because Skagra wants to make the university one mind and being. And as long as it's his mind and being. Apparently. And, you know, blah, 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 blah. Now, darling, I have to say this for all the listeners. You called it. I did. Yes, I was very excited. I figured it out fairly early. Well, not fairly early on, but probably three quarters of the way through it. Oh, I suppose, I guess, you know, we are spoiling everything, but... I was going to say, I don't know if we want to tell... Yes, well, we are going to. Are we? Okay. Yes, yes. If you're listening Uh, to this review of Shada, you're listening for spoilers. Just for the record, if this is completely ruined for you because of this, it was all Philip's idea. Carry on, my darling. Yes. And so... You were gonna. You kept yelling at the screen when you open up that cryo, cryogenic prison. It's gonna be empty because I know who he is. Jesus. Yes. <laughs> is that? Are we talking about the same thing? No. You called that the professor was. I did. Yes. Yeah. 
almost very shortly after he did that weird mind thing. Right, with Claire. With Claire. Um, and then shortly thereafter, somebody mentioned that Sally Avon had this mind thing. And I was like, well, there you go. Now, Done. And again, it, it's Doctor Who, so I don't always need things to make that much sense. Because I'm like, whatever, I'll go with it. And I was going up with Shada. I think I went along with a lot of things. But with the professor, it seemed like when he was sort of quote unquote resurrected, he was a little bit more or less absent minded than when before he died. You know, when he was sort of helping Claire, he sort of was a little more on point about what needed to be done. And then when he sort of mind zapped her, that she was sort of now smart now, or at least, you know, knew the same stuff that he did. He's a little bit more, you know. Yeah, but then I wondered how much of the absent-minded professor was a little bit of an act Mm -hmm. because he was a fugitive hiding in plain sight. And so he needed to be as innocuous as possible. But I also didn't understand him. Like, in other words, is he reformed? I got the impression that he was never really a bad guy. He was never really a criminal. It was his power because they said that that people were concerned about, and so they sort of put him into prison before he could do bad things with it. Which would be very time lordy. Yeah. Um, but because someone was said whether it was the doctor or even the professor, aka the villain or or the prisoner, that his his deeds had been exaggerated. Yeah, the the professor says that, but even before that, the doctor talks about how much he always admired him. Uh, growing up. Yeah. Yes. That that you know his exploits. So he's from the very beginning he is portrayed as the not, Robin Hood of time lords. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit misunderstood. Because then he quote unquote dies again when Skagra sphere minds him. Again. Right. But then skip to the end and he's fine again. Yeah. Yeah. He's pretty powerful. Apparently. Apparently. Just drinking tea yeah. or serving tea. I do love the idea that the the Cambridge butler or whatever he is, the, the little fellow who appears every now and then, reports the missing room. Right. Because the professor's TARDIS is his office. Mm -hmm. And so when the TARDIS leaves, the room disappears. And Mm -hmm. so he reports it to the police. I like that as a thing. Mm -hmm. Again, it's very, very on point and funny Douglas Adams writing. But I, I thought it was interesting just to go back for a second when he, quote unquote, died the first time. Or sphere mind wiped the first time and died. And, you know, keeping with some... Because we never know how fast and loose they're going to play Time and Lord... Or Time Lord Mythos. And he dies and we're like, oh, I wonder why he doesn't regenerate. Oh, that's because they don't know how to write Time Lords. But, no, no, they explain it. He's at the end of his regeneration cycle and he sort of fades away. And that's... I'm like, okay. Because you never know how often they'll stick to things. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And then, of course, he reappears. Because timey-wimey. Because timey-wimey or something along those lines. But, yeah. And, you know, I I, I don't know how much we need to tie up any of the rest of the the story. But any other elements you thought were were interesting as as whether it was Romana or the Doctor or Parsons or the Professor or Scargra? I don't think so like i said i i enjoyed this i'm looking forward to talking a little bit more about general thoughts rather than plot points loved the professor quite enjoyed the fourth doctor liked the end of it Mm -hmm. which again might be something that we come back 
you know, we're talking about in the overview. Now, let's talk about a character you ha- you met for the first time, and that's Romana. Uh, it was a lot of them, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> but Romana, she's, she's, yes. she's a companion, obviously. I, I explained she's actually the second gener- second form of Romana we see on screen anyway. You get into Big Finish and all those wonderful things, I know. I, you know, I know we didn't get a lot of her, but what did you sort of think of her as a companion? Yeah, I thought she was all right. I thought maybe it comes up in other episodes, but I didn't... To me, she was just regular old companion. There was nothing... Knowing she was a Time Lord didn't change anything. Right. I I think she's the way Lala Ward plays her in this, in shot especially, like... It's very interesting how she'll sit down, she'll just pose. Like It's almost like she is very similar to the fourth Doctor, that, not being silly, but she just, you know, she's not serious. Or, or you know, like, you know, the way, whether it's when she's enjoying the wordplay with the fourth Doctor, whether it's a serious situation or a funny situation, or like when she would sit in the professor's um, TARDIS or office, you know, very stylized position. Of course, she's mm. wearing a very... Stylized. stylized outfit yeah. yeah but but she definitely has this thing about you like that she's very purposefully playing that character mm. i thought at, you know of course like I, there's not a lot of time she is very much on her own in this episode whether it's like she's not the damsel in distress per se but she's sort of the prisoner yes yeah and she's not you know when when you think back to um perry, perry. who very much in what we've seen or what I've seen so far is the damsel in distress and uh, Romana appears to me just somebody who has unfortunately been captured. It's a very different sort of dynamic. She doesn't have this poor me. She doesn't have this, oh, I hope the doctor saves me stuff. She just happens to be the one who was captured and She's going to work on figuring it out as well. So let's talk about the actual format of it. You know, there's, again, with this being a restored version, I'd say you can correct my off-the-top-of-the-head math here, but like one-eighth live-action, seven-eighths animation, maybe that's being a little too much, but... Yeah, I I thought there was more live-action. There was more live-action than I certainly expected. So maybe a fourth and three-fourths, or... Yeah, I I might even go higher than that, but Mm -hmm. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would have gone maybe 30% or even higher. What I found particularly interesting about it, that I know in my head, but this is the first time you sort of see it in the reality of how out of sequence they shoot things. Uh-huh. You know, because you get to a point where you're like, oh, it's probably going to be an animation from here on out. And then you see live action sections. And uh, so, yeah, I found that very interesting. What they had already shot, what they hadn't, how completely out of order it was. Because I think with Scargra... You, like at Cambridge, like sort of our part one, he's he's like live action there. Mm. I'm like, oh, we're never going to see him again. And then like the last shot, it's live action. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Well, he came from yeah, nowhere. Yeah, you think, oh, yeah, absolutely. One of the things that they didn't have any live action of, and I expect maybe they were waiting on, um, are the weird creatures. The crags or crags or whatever they were called. Yeah. Okay, we'll go with that. So, yeah, we don't get to see what they actually would have looked like. Yeah, I found that really interesting. I, I thought it was in as much as it was seamless. I mean, 
you just have to put your headspace there. But I thought I wasn't distracted by like, oh, it's animation. No, no, it's real life. No, uh-uh. I wasn't either. I wasn't either. And again, as you say, some of the other stuff where, you know, they add the pictures or even the animated Doctor Number 2, is that the oh, second Doctor? Oh, yes. The Power of the Daleks, I think, is what you saw. Yeah. And even those are way more distracting, I thought, than this was. I thought it was relatively smooth transitions. Yeah, and I think there are some parts, and I'm trying to remember which way it went. It was either the real people watching an animated or the animation watching a real... Because they're sort of watching a computer screen... Mm. of what happened before and it's so it does work and again it's a, it's a it's a certain animation style and people may or may not like that style that, that it's done in but but i like it and I, I thought it was interesting i think the first time the animation starts just to like show you what they can do there's a little bit of a 360 movement of the scene just to be like ah welcome to animated world <laughs> 2017 <laughs> yeah. then of course you have the voices now this is a, a a bit of mystery that we haven't quite figured out how they've done yes because everything we've read about this says that all the original actors came back to do all of the voices small Ex- problem except the professor died in the 80s dennis carey so i feel relatively sure he did not come back to do the voice but there's no record of who did it instead timey-wimey darling timey-wimey indeed and so then i don't know you know did all of the original actors come back if not who and uh, but so far we can't find any information on that Uh, I don't know if we'll get more once it's released in the United States. Uh, It looks like a lot of the websites haven't completely updated because it's such a new Mm -hmm. video. So we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, so because I think it was available on, I mean, obviously on DVD. That's how I got it. I think it was also on Blu-ray in the UK. But again, I think the American date keeps moving. I think it's a rough date currently. So, whenever they're going to do Region 1. Yeah, which I find a strange thing, but never mind. I did find, and I'm not sure distracting is the right word, but I did notice it fairly frequently. And there's nothing that could have been done about it. But it was so clear when they went to animation and Tom Baker is doing modern day tom and modern day tom baker is doing the voice of the fourth doctor and he just sounds so much older mm-hmm. um and like i say I, I wouldn't necessarily say distracting but noticeable and considering this was originally shot the year before i was born some time has passed a year or two <laughs> Um, but I also like the fact that they did this tongue-in-cheek filming at the very end with 2017 Tom Baker. The ending, and I don't, you know, I if you ha- can't find Shada, whether you know, no matter where you are, I at least encourage- or because you forgot about it. Right, exactly. That's that's a good good reason. But at least I'm sure you can find the final scene on YouTube or somewhere. And this is Tom Baker in the reconstructed old TARDIS set in the old fourth doctor wardrobe playing the fourth doctor again all these years later i mean you know for a doctor who fan it is a bit of you know fan boy fan girl moment and you know you get the nod and all that you know because we got to see him 
in the 50th, but that was him sort of playing the curator and nod, wink, nod, wink, that this is him as the doctor again. Yeah, and I, I really liked it. Even as somebody who isn't particularly familiar with the fourth doctor, I found the, yeah, the, the nod and the wink really interesting. I do find it also very interesting that they rebuilt the entire fourth Doctor TARDIS Console. for what is what a thirty-second scene, darling. If you can rebuild an old TARDIS set, you rebuild an old TARDIS set. Is that a thing? Yes. I'm it just... makes me glad that you're not very good with power tools, then. Right. Not yet. Oh God. Just imagine when I retire. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be divorced by then. It'll be fine, darling. <laughs> so, any final thoughts about the? 2017 release of Shada. I am incredibly glad I saw it. I really, really enjoyed it. I like what they did with it. I'm so pleased. I have been waiting and waiting and waiting for them to finally complete this. <laughs> um, and they have finally done it. Until the next time they decide to redo it. Exactly. It's, it's going to be like a George Lucas Star Wars. we got to improve it. Yeah. Never ends. <laughs> <laughs> And I, I enjoyed it. I All Classic Who, of course, has pacing issues. Though, yes. once with Fourth Doctor, it tends to get a little bit better. Because Fourth, Fifth, you know, past that era, it picks up a little bit. I mean, not, not it still has issues occasionally. But it picks up a little bit. But this is this is a slow story. I'm going to be upfront about it. Part one, just get comfortable. It's, it's not going to go anywhere for a while. But I think part two does pick up, and that's sort of the action pack. So I, I honestly think it would have been a little bit better if they packaged it as a serial and had those artificial cliff because they're there. I mean, I could tell you like cliffhanger, boom, cliffhanger, boom. You know, whether it's a four parter or, or a three parter or something, I think it definitely could have been broken up. And then you, you sort of get that, ah, and you know, have a bit of coffee or get a drink or something to eat or take a bathroom break and then come back instead of it yeah, doing the yeah. full sit down because it's kind of like hey, it's a little long yeah uh, it's not horrifically I, I they could have taken a lot of air out but not as you say not in the way of some of the other ones that we've seen this could have very easily been a 90 minutes instead of a 120 minutes but i wouldn't have gone any less than that i don't think right so yeah, so definitely check it out if you can. But you have to wait longer than we did. <laughs> Americans. Shall we step into the TARDIS library, my love? Yes, and I, I thought instead of talking about a Classico episode, because that's what we just talked about for our main part, we'd kind of talk about a little bit of real life history what you want to talk about darling is gossip well, if i'm not mistaken tabloid tabloid just coming from tat. england i'm i'm there into i've sold a story about you darling i hope you're happy no um i thought we'd talk about since you were introduced to the doctor and romana uh played by tom baker and lala ward i thought we'd talk about since we're married when the doctor married his companion in real life. Yes, and the doctor married his companion in real life in December of 1980. How old were you, darling? I would have been a few months old. Yeah, that's cute. I think I could have fit into a Christmas bow and stocking and Aww. taken an adorable photo. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, you did that this year, too. Right. Well, if you got one of our postcards, you know what we're talking about. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, I thought this was interesting. They had been working together for a few 
few years, you know, on, on set. And, you know, I'm modern movies and TVs are, are filled with couples working together, whether they're already married or not. And getting, or whether they're married to other people exactly. or not. Yeah. And, and getting married and, you know, because either, whether it's the, the, you're just working with this other person as much as you would work with a spouse and, you know, whether it's real or imagine that intimacy and, Right. I think you need to be just a little bit careful with the way you're describing this, considering you and I had an office romance. Right. And and now see how we work together. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. All right. Carry on. But anyway, so they were married and then divorced 16 months later. Yes. Which I think that was interesting reading about it. And I'm sure maybe it would have been different at reading it, you know, at the time. But I don't. Well, Tom Baker doesn't really talk very much personally. He's he's the doctor. That's all he ever talks about. But Lala, just what I've read, that she was very healthy about. It. Like, yeah, you know, just career. You know, we were friends. Didn't work out. Moved on. Yeah. No, no bad. No bad feelings. Seems very reflective. And as you say, I'm sure in the moment it wasn't anywhere nearly that amicable because it never is. But yeah, the idea that perhaps. Again, working together, particularly when you're on set working together, you know, 16 hours a day kind of thing, it creates that false intimacy that um, once you stop doing that quite so tightly can fall apart. And what are your thoughts about, especially being in the theater community, Mm. can be... I use the word liberally, of course, very incestuous about, you know, dating and relationships yeah. and working together. I mean, you know, certainly as as we do, but, you know, whether you've seen it in yourself or outside, do you just think it depends on the people or do you, how do you feel like it works with people in relationships? Yeah. I meeting mean, I, or working together or I think breakups that, and all I that. think that there are some people who are much more drawn to that. And I'm not going to lie, I've dated people that I've done shows with and it does create that false intimacy that sometimes then you look back on and go what was no you know but I think that there are also some people who I never went into a show going right which one am I going to pick up this time and I think sometimes even if it's subconsciously people there are people who do that who fall so in love with a character maybe or the experience itself and and that it's it's easy to do the moral of that story is don't get married in, under those circumstances. Wait till the next show. Wait until the next show. See if it sticks. A lot of times it won't. <laughs> but I thought it was interesting to read that that Lala is very, like, uh, for lack of a better word, she defends Tom. Like, people, I think he's very easy target. Like, oh, Tom, boy, I can we see why that didn't work? You know, because he's such a big personality and everything. And she's mm-hmm. like, no, 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 it wasn't Tom. It was, you know, it was just. It was, just didn't work out. Circumstance, yeah. yeah. So I thought that was interesting. And obviously they're friendly because they still work together, whether it's doing voices. Like, I don't know if I saw them in the same room for the recording of this, but nevertheless, they've worked on big finished productions together because they're still the Doctor and Romana, too. And and it's interesting. Interesting postscript. She married Richard Dawkins. Yeah, fr- I did not a know that. friend of Douglas Adams. Mm-hmm. Uh. Because apparently she was big friends with Douglas Adams for a long, long time. And it does not surprise me that Douglas Adams and Richard Dawkins were friends. No. Both big uh, atheists. I mean, the, you know, big atheist community. I'm mean, not saying that pejoratively. You know, they're very, of course, I mean, Douglas Adams has passed on. But, but you know, they're, they're sort of very big into all that. And so I was, I was very surprising. Because, like, I know 
who Richard Dawkins is. I mean, I'm sure you know who he is more than me in, in England, but, and so I was like, oh, I didn't realize he was married to a Doctor Who companion for like 26 years. Yeah. And then they divorced. So right. there you go. Oh, well, nothing. Love never works out, guys. Yeah. Nothing lasts That's forever. That's what we learned from yeah, this. Just uh, married couples really should never work together. I guess. Never. Right. So what are we going to talk about next week? On the subject of companions, thought we should spotlight a certain group of companions. And so next episode, we're going to be talking about the 10th Doctor's companions. And I'm really excited about this because I think those are some of my favorite companions. There's Rose, of course, um, whom I absolutely love, and Martha. One of my big uh, companion crushes. Yeah, and goes on to reappear multiple times throughout the following years. And, of course... Donna, mm-hmm. played by Catherine Tate, who was incredibly famous in England before she took up that role. And, of course, there were some uh, other companions uh, as well that he had, because he served a long time in, in the TARDIS. So we'll be talking about that. But until then, darling, you're my favorite companion in all of time and space. I thought I was the doctor and you're the companion. Isn't that what we agreed on? That's definitely what we agreed on. Right. This isn't working. Off to shot this is bbc television okay round two name something that's not boring a laundry oh a book club computer solitaire huh ah oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.